0: Welcome to the Western Bowel Podcast Series, with talks on traditional spiritual teaching and its application in the world today. The intention of this series is to offer something useful for those who are drawn to study themselves and engage practice on the spiritual path. New talks are posted twice each month. The content of the talks is for informational purposes only, and not to provide any kind of counseling, medical, or professional advice. This podcast is titled Hospitality, the Practice and the Art. The talk was given by Regina Sarah Ryan on December 18th, 2021 via Zoom. Regina is the editor of Home Press, a workshop leader, retreat guide, former Catholic nun, and author of The Woman Awake, Igniting the Inner Life, Praying Dangerously, Only God, and Other Books. In this talk, the impact of offering and receiving hospitality is considered, and Regina speaks about some of the experience she has had in providing hospitality at Lila Mandir, the main house on the ashram of her teacher, Leelazwick. Poetry and readings about the law of hospitality are considered, and references made to Swami Papa Ramdas, the Indian master who welcomed everyone and everything in the form of Ram an incarnation of the divine. If there is benefit in this talk for you, please consider sharing the link to it or writing a review on social media or on one of the podcast platforms. Regina Sarah Ryan.
1: We'll begin the way I always want to begin our gatherings, which is gathering ourselves in time and space, where we are in the body, in the breath. So we do that Very simply by having an erect posture of some sort, whether we're standing or sitting, or even if we're on a couch, we can become attuned to this posture that represents dignity and nobility, intrinsic dignity and intrinsic nobility, because the function of the human being is to be a transformational apparatus, to take the energy and to transmute it through the body, through the heart. So just for a moment, become aware of the breathing body and the body of dignity and erect posture. I'll open this uh, session with a with a song. I won't sing it. It's it's lyrics from a Tamil song, and it goes like this. Thou who hast entered the depth of my heart, enable me to give my whole attention to this depth of my heart. Thou who art my guest in the depth of my heart, enable me to enter myself into this depth of my heart. Thou who makest thy home in the depths of my heart. Enable me to be seated in peace in the depths of my heart. Thou who alone dwellest in the depth of my heart. Enable me to plunge deep and lose myself in this depth of my heart. Thou who art all alone in the depth of my heart. Enable me to disappear in thee in this depth of my heart. It's a type of silent prayer, even if we don't understand it. So before we get full swing into our shared conversation, I'd like you now from this place of hopefully relaxation and centeredness, I'd like you to recall a time when you were welcomed by someone or some group or something Can you feel into the mood of what it was like be welcomed. It may only have been a moment, you know, that moment at the airport and you just saw the loved one standing there or whatever. Just a moment in which you were welcomed. We'll leave that for a moment. And then can you recall a moment in which you welcomed someone? You didn't have to give them anything do anything, we simply welcomed them. True hospitality is emotionally powerful. And it touches something very deep in us. There's a profound human longing to be accepted. Not just accepted as like you're a member of a club, but actually appreciated. Seen for who you are. Honored, even. Felt to belong, if only for a short time, felt to feel safe, felt to be valued and deeply respected. That's not only my longing, I sense that it's your longing too, and we might even venture to say it's the longing of the human. So with that in mind, let's proceed. I really want to host this gathering in as welcoming and as honoring a way as I can with you, and I invite you to host each other and to be guests in this chamber. So I got on this topic because I found myself in the post of living for a long period of time in Lila Mandir, So everything that was going on at Lila Mandir was coming through me with questions and can you do this and shall we have this and these guests and so on and so forth. And so I found myself in this role of hosting and in the very beginning stages, that hosting felt like a lot of pressure and it still sometimes does, there's a lot of work, but it was much more of a pressure that I had to perform. Because God forbid somebody should come in and there should be a dust bunny in the corner of the room, or we should run out of food, or the bed shouldn't be nicely made. But very quickly, because of the fact that I was living in that sanctuary, the notion of what hospitality was and what my role is as a hostess. So I began to explore it and read about it and talk to people about it. And that's how this this conversation began. So this is actually the third time I've had this conversation. Time passes and so things change and I'm happy to be able to have this conversation brand new with you as if for the very first time because that's what we do as hosts, I think, is we have to drop any mechanicality about how we should be doing something and be really present to what is given to us and how to go about doing that. But in each case, I started with this quote from E.J. Gold because this question is really cool for me. (laughs) And working with questions is very valuable for us in our work because there's not one answer to it. I'm not going to answer it, but we're going to consider it together for a little bit before we go on to other things. So he starts off in his book, The Joy of Sacrifice. On page 106, he has this section called The Ethics of Hospitality. Ethics doesn't mean morality. It's not like it's a sin if you don't do this, but it does mean a type of caring protocol in this case. He starts off by saying, we should give a guest whatever food or drink we have reserved for ourselves. Hmm. Well, I don't know about you, but... There's some things that I'm just, oh, no, that person came and I just was storing up this wonderful thing. And, you know, maybe I don't want to give that much. Or I remember sitting on the floor when the nights when we get donuts and the donut tray would come down the line (laughs) with these special donuts with the cream filling. And if you were down the line, you would not get a cream filled donut. Believe me, (laughs) you would get whatever was the last possible crumbly old donut that was left on the plate not always but I'm, I'm making a generalization by way of saying this is the way in which we humans work oh cream that's my favorite <laughs> so and then he goes on to say even if we have little we should not be ashamed nor should a guest despise what is offered in hospitality yeah And then here comes the sentence that I want us to discuss. Hospitality is the greatest law given to man and woman. He doesn't say that, I do. And if he or she knew how to obey this one law, they could overcome their imperfections. The greatest law given to humans is hospitality. And if we knew how to obey this one law, we could overcome our imperfections. So there's lots of words there that we could focus on. This is a conversation that can possibly come from the sense that you're attuned to your inner environment with your breath and your sensation. So let's begin.
2: Years ago... We did a lot of riding in the hills and there was a place where we'd stop and drink water at a spring with a very poor family who had their home there. And one day we wanted to go further and we said, can we come and eat here so that we can go for a full day? Absolutely. Yes, you can do that. And they had a beautiful setup outside their little hovel. You could see the hills and the, and the spring water was delicious and the chickens were running around. So the day we went, they took us inside the house because only the animals eat outside. They had spoons that still had little price tag stickers on them that they never had that they bought for us. No more chickens running around. They were all in the pot. And we had our meal there. And when we tried to pay for it, they wouldn't take us cent. That to me is the epitome of hospitality that I experienced. In a family with no formal education, no, just from the dignity of their heart.
3: Yes, I remember that uh, I heard several times that hospitality actually is the first law in Islam. And I don't know if in other religions too, but in Islam I do know. And I experienced that also in uh, Turkey. We were actually walking through the lands. And land it at a family we never had seen before, and uh, and I think we actually stayed there two days. I don't remember; it's a long time ago. But uh, it was such um, so normal and such such a generosity, such a welcoming. And uh, so when we went back home, we sent them presents.
1: So you don't have to have a story. But if you do, I love to hear them. But also you can simply reflect, is hospitality the greatest law given to humans? How is that? And what would it be like to obey that law and therefore overcome all our
0: imperfections? I didn't really know that there was anything in the study manual about hospitality, but just a couple sentences here. True hospitality arises out of a context of abundance and a boundless respect for all of life and for the other. As Papa Ramdas would say, it is Ram in the form of whatever is appearing. One simply offers hospitality from the context of no separation because the guest has arrived. To look at this from a teaching standpoint, it seems like the guest is always arising. In every situation, I mean, it's not just like, oh, when someone visits my house, it's everybody I meet. To put that into practice and into action is, I think, what you're pointing to.
1: I remember a story that uh, Thomas told me recently. It was a spiritual teacher coming to Germany, coming to Freiburg, and uh, he was going to bring five of his disciples with him. And they had a house there in Freiburg. And so Lee called him and said, "Um, this teacher is coming. I want you to host him. I want you to welcome his students in every way possible. So Thomas was like, yeah, of course, yes, no problem. So two days before they're expecting the teacher to come, Lee calls and tells him, the teacher is bringing 35 of his students. And it was so intense, that offering of hospitality. But Lee was absolutely clear and that that was something that Lee did with all kinds of other teachers and people that he was in mentoring or holding in his own way, in some way. And that Thomas said it was such an amazing experience. Hospitality in that type of circumstance was just really huge. It was a huge
0: piece of work for him guess it was time to do some shopping. <laughs> uh, hospitality is a gift. The
4: energetic fusion of, of that principle in our practice life, for me, motivates me beyond my, my habits. I can see, at times, very clearly and intuitively where kindness is needed. No, where it's called for beyond my, my comfort level. Do you ever see somebody standing on a corner with a sign? And do you ever see how many people, they step on the gas and they drive past them? Have you ever stopped and pulled over and went over to talk to them? Sometimes you would be shocked at what's going on in their lives. To stop and talk with a woman here near my house by this gas station. And I got to know her. And I would offer her support whenever I saw her. Her story it was so compelling. And she was there asking for hospitality. Like Americans are thinking you're, you're trying to rip me off. And, and I've seen other people who are, are just hurting. They're a stand for the principle if you're resonant with the principle. There was a, a man and a wife and three kids, a supermarket, nearby. They were there probably for a week, and I saw them twice, and they could barely speak English. And so many people went over to comfort them, to to get help for them, just to be in that mood. For me, it was like, wow, I'm just talking about feeling this in action. Uh, How is it the greatest law? I would say, uh, I believe our practice opens our heart in our eyes to see where where hospitality is calling our attention
3: is hospitality then the same as kindness kindness would be a component of it I'm trying to think of situations and with our lifestyle it's you know being interrupted at work and still being able to welcome that person hospitality includes giving but When we give our attention, then that's the big gift, even if there's no food involved,
1: though there can be. I think what you're pointing to is that the hospitality of welcome is not limited to food or drink, because even if you had nothing, you could still express hospitality. Even if you couldn't speak, you could express hospitality. Talking about our time, that is really a big one for us in this day and age. Just taking the time to have enough energetic exchange that we can experience hospitality with another. Because if we enter into a relationship where we're already got the old mindset of judgment and Argument or you know comparison or whatever it is, then there's no possibility for us to be in that open-hearted or broken-hearted place where we can be in in true relationships. So time and I'd say this sense of being willing to drop to drop the divisions in Muslim, the highest law is this law of hospitality, and that actually applies to all religions. All colors, all creeds. There's a wonderful story about St. Francis, you know, on one of his pilgrimages going to Egypt and meeting with some Muslim sultan. And it was that kind of an exchange where each one was honoring and respecting the love of God that the other one was abiding in. The Buddhist view of hospitality is actually that no individual self even exists. So therefore you are one with everything. So how could you not be offering hospitality to this supposed other when that other is not other than who you are? I mean, we're getting into some very deep, non-dual understandings here when we just scratch on this idea.
3: I have a question. Why is it a law? What does that mean, the law?
1: Well, as a a simple answer, and this is not necessarily the right answer, but within the Gurdjieff work, there are these certain laws that are not like laws like you have to do this or you're going to go to jail. They're more like this is the way the universe works. So gravity is a law. The violation of gravity is not going to send you to prison. Hospitality is a law in the sense that it is one of the rightful or organic ways in which creation exists and carries on. But the whole idea that we are being offered hospitality by Mother Earth all the time, and if we are not acting as good guests, or if we're not recognizing our role as a guest, then in some ways we're violating the law. Not like we're going to get a sin or something, but because we're just not in relationship to what is. We've been given air. We've been given water. We've been given food. We've been given this incredible vista. And we've also been given Suffering, and traffic jams, and cancer, and all of it. So it's a relationship of welcoming. You know, so Papa Ram Dass says it's everything in the form of Ram. Mm-hmm. Well, he's also saying that about his diabetes. He says, I welcome my brother diabetes. So, I mean, we're talking here some hospitality, go and give me a cup of coffee. We are at the edge of kneading the soil around this incredible law of creation. Everything is hosting us, and we are hosting everything else. I mean, what are you hosting inside your own body? You're hosting all sorts of bacteria. And if you don't have them, if you don't allow them, (laughs) then you're in trouble. You're also hosting thought in the form of energy, energy thoughts. So are you being a good guest within your own house? This is a poem by Rumi called The Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if there are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house, empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. This very opening part is the part that helps me the most. I'm not sure I can totally welcome every single one with full, <laughs> full embrace, but I do know that these guests are arriving Every day. So one day it's a joy, and one day it's a depression, and one day it's meanness, and one day it's selfishness, and one day it's generosity. My thoughts, my emotions, people, experiences are all coming to me all the time. Every morning, a new arrival, and welcome and entertain them all. So I think the point is how do we welcome them? Without being too spiritual about it, too idealistic about it, what was arising for me today was a sense of helplessness. Because I had had a conversation with someone yesterday who was in deep pain. And I felt so helpless, not only helpless, but stupid, because anything I said sounded like trying to give them a Band-Aid when their arm had fallen off. So I woke up in that. I could turn away from that completely, reject it, give myself a mental thing. Well, oh, you you tried your best. I think when he's saying welcome, he's not saying that you need to say welcome and this is because or welcome and that means, but rather this is the guest house. Human is a guest house and all of this is going to keep coming. And am I going to have a no trespassing sign on my door? Get out. We used to have a neighbor here that said, do you believe in reincarnation? Step on this property and find out. In other words, we'll shoot you and then you'll find out whether you'll be reincarnated. And that was a picture like a rifle. Really, that's true. That was really a sign here. That sign isn't there anymore, though. And I think one of the reasons that sign isn't there anymore is because some people here have gone out of their way to ask those people if they would like us to level the road, if they would like us to paint the fence so that it doesn't glare on the evening sunset into their living room windows and so on. So, But I think that what's pointing to for me And why this consideration is really important is it's not just offering hospitality to a person. It's not just offering hospitality to some group that shows up. It's offering hospitality to life. And to the way in which life is going to come knocking at our door. Not to say, oh, yay, diabetes, I'm so glad. Just yes. I don't have to meet the guest at the door. Welcome. Oh, we're so glad you're here. <laughs> It'd be so ridiculous. I can say welcome. Welcome to this sanctuary.
3: If I remember well, in the Jewish tradition, when they set the table, they always set a free place for Elia. So this means whoever might come whoever might come unexpectedly the place is already ready for them mm. i find that very inspiring because it really means being open to any situation that might happen unexpectedly we live now i find in a in a society where everything is set and where everything is prepared and where you cannot show up unexpectedly it's just you know rude if you show up somewhere and you didn't call before. For me, that's a big reminder to just be open anytime to anything that might happen. And the poem that you shared is really inspiring in that way, not only for an unexpected guest in a human form, but for anything that is unexpected. Yeah.
1: Here's another poem. Uh, Not by Rumi this time. This is by Mary Oliver, one of my favorite poets. And she calls this, next time. I think it really refers to a reminder of hospitality and what it means. Next time, what I would do is look at the earth before saying anything. I would stop just before going into a house and be an emperor for a moment and listen better to the wind or the air being still. When anyone talked to me, whether praise or blame or just passing time, I'd watch their face, how the mouth has to work, and see any strain, any sign of what lifted their voice. And for all, I'd know more the earth bracing itself and soaring, the air finding every leaf and feather over forest and water, and for every person, the body glowing inside the clothes like a light. When I was um, much younger in my younger days, (laughs) I worked in Denver at a place called the Hospice of St. John, And it was a a residential hospice for the dying. And the order of priests who ran the hospice were known as the Hospitallers of St. John. Mm -hmm. So the word Hospitaller and the word Hospice and the word Hospital and the word Host all come from the same root. And the original hospices were actually places of rest and sanctuary for crusaders who were going from Europe to the Holy Land. That's where the notion of hospice came in. It was placed for people to rest on long journeys, a place where they would receive sanctuary, a place where they could be fed, a place where they would be cared for. It wasn't just for people who were dying. But over time, because, of course, in the Crusades, there were so many wounded and dying, and they would bring them back, they would stop at these hospices where they would be cared for as they were dying. So this idea of being a host is being a hospitaler. We are offering this hospitality in the way in which we would be caring for the dying. It's an interesting possibility to recognize that not only is everyone we meet glowing inside their clothes, but we're all dying. And how would we want to treat and respect and respond to the person if we knew? There's a beautiful poem by Ellen Bass, which I didn't bring this time, but it said, what would it be like if you knew that the handshake you just had with this person would be the last time they ever touched another human being? They walked out and then they fell dead on the sidewalk. How would you be if you knew that that was the way in which you could be with others? So this challenge of hospitality is also something that I I have a relationship to because of my relationship to Catholicism and my life as a nun in a monastery. Because hospitality is a great law in the monastery. The monk or the nun who's made the hospitaller or the hosteler is the name they would give them is not going to be the newest monk or the newest nun in the convent. The one who's chosen to be the hosteler in the monastery is one who has been well-practiced. So they are the one not who's going to welcome the new guest. woo are they interesting? They're going to be one who has the practice of knowing that who they are welcoming is the great guest. So those of you who maybe have a Christian background, we, we see these pictures of Jesus knocking on the door. And there are all these stories about, well, I prayed for Jesus and I asked him to come, but he never came. But it was some beggar who came to the door, or it was a dog who came to the door, or it was a helicopter who came <laughs> to rescue the person. Not Jesus himself. So we were raised with that idea that everyone was to be welcomed as the Lord, as the guest, as the beloved. This is an intense consideration. It's intense as a a general principle, but it's intense when I go home and I walk into the kitchen and my housemates are there. Or somebody comes in to do the laundry, or somebody, as someone said, interrupts me in the midst of my daily activities, or somebody calls me on the phone. I see that this consideration as a context has the possibility of becoming a complete shift of context. You know, we have it as an idea, but if we were to actually be in remembrance of this on a more regular basis, the shift of context of going with people as an annoyance, interruptions as an an annoyance, other people as something to be dealt with. I just wonder what it would be like if we could walk through the world with this greater notion of hospitality. And I don't speak that because that's what I am stabilized in. Just speak it to you because this consideration is one that works me. And I'm very interested in how that continues. So another piece that hospitality relates to is this notion of giving delight or arousing happiness for another. So I had you think about a time when you were welcomed. And for many people, it's maybe just a momentary opening of the heart, a momentary smile of happiness. You know, my sister welcomes me at the airport, and I know that within three hours, we're going to have some argument. But that moment when we do see each other and recognize each other and recognize the love that we have, and she does welcome me. So in the Buddhist view on hospitality, that's what we want of human beings because we recognize that all beings are seeking happiness. So what would it be to recognize that any acts of hospitality... If I just pass up that cream-filled donut, Jay might get a big smile on his face when it came to him. I would like to be that. I would like to do that, and I think most of us would too. I think most of us are delighted when we can give delight, when we can give a gift that somebody else just goes, "Whoa! I didn't expect that." So we live in a very hard times. Not that everybody hasn't lived in hard times, but. We happen to be in this one, so it's really hard. And to give happiness, to give a moment of delight, to give a moment of welcome, wow. Also in Christianity and in Buddhism, your good acts, and I probably in Sufism as well, Judaism for sure, your good acts, your acts of hospitality gain merit for you. They gain merit for your crown in heaven, or they gain merit for your next lifetime, or they gain merit for the building of your own body of love, your own body of spirit. You don't do it because you wanna have that crown in heaven, but you are wanting to dedicate your acts of merit in order to relieve the sufferings of others. And that just happens, and relieving the sufferings of others as the bodhisattva path is building your own body, Buddha body. So a few more ways in which we offer hospitality. Of course, we mentioned feeding. Those of us who knew Lee, or if you've ever worked in the kitchen when Lee was at a celebration, it was a trust that we had what was necessary, and we offered it all. We didn't have to go and make extraordinary means because the making of extraordinary means is actually not hospitality at all. It's a form of egoic impression. When I was speaking to my niece in California, she lives in Marin County, California, which is like the most wealthy part of California. And she said, I hate things here. When you get invited to a dinner party, what you get is something so extraordinary that then the implication is that now you have to invite that person back to your house and you have to do more. You have to even impress them more than they impressed you. And she said, people just spend huge amounts of money just to have a dinner party. Just not trusting that the mood of hospitality is what people are really hungering for. Really, are we hungering for fancy silverware or perfectly matched glasses? It gives me delight to set a beautiful table. But if I run out of that, I mean, that's not why I'm having guests. It's the mood of hospitality. And it's making people feel comfortable and at home. If somebody walks into a place that's so over the top in the way it's designed and they're poor, it's not necessarily the greatest gift we could give them. So I I think it's a question of the way in which we hold things. Not that we wouldn't put out our best stuff, but the way in which we do it is not to impress or prove something. Another aspect of hospitality that you find in all of the religious traditions is the offering of water or cleansing. Somebody told me that somebody arrived at this house and everybody started coming to them and shaking their hand and wishing them well and how was your trip and da 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 da. And this person was standing there just going, Oh, I just need to use the bathroom, but nobody's pointing the way. It's such a simple thing, you know? It's like somebody comes in the house. Do you need to use the, the restroom? It's right over here. Or can I get you a glass of water right there? Those kinds of simple things in many traditions, like you come into the Catholic church and you take the water and you bless yourself with water, but it's a symbol. It's a ritual cleansing. And, you know, in the days in which you were walking for miles with bare feet or sandals, you would arrive at a place and you would be covered with dust. Your feet would be completely covered with dust. So the washing of the feet and the washing of hands, the offering of water, the cleansing chamber, this is all ways in which we show real hospitality to our human friends. Maybe somebody needs a pair of socks (laughs) or somebody needs to have a, a pair of house shoes. I remember visiting in Germany and I'd walked in the door and she says, I have all these house shoes you can choose from any of these house shoes to wear in the house. This one, one of the first things she did. It was it was such a gentle and beautiful act of generosity. Of course, none of them fit me, but it was really a lovely act of generosity. Of course, we offer lodging if we can. Some interesting little things that I noticed from the Buddhist tradition is that they even talk about the use of endearing language as a way to welcome your guests, so that you drop your formality, and you welcome people with endearing language. So, I mean, in some cultures, it's very common to say grandfather or mother or grandmother or auntie or whatever. And those are actually quite endearing terms when you welcome somebody with a term of endearment of some sort. It recognizes their kinship to you, and it's an act of respect. So, you know, my nieces call me Auntie Regina, and I really appreciate it. It's much sweeter than if they just call me Regina. And when I sign my letter to them, I sign it that way. And I don't think it's like I'm a liberated woman, so I'm going to go by, just by Regina. But for me, it's a way in which I establish kinship, and they establish kinship with me. Giving of gifts. You know, we bring flowers oftentimes. Or, you know, you go to somebody's house for dinner, you bring a bottle of wine, or you you bring something lovely for the table. Does not have to be anything formal. I'm creating a bunch of Christmas presents. And uh, I'm I'm always bothered by Christmas presents because I can never figure out exactly what to get people. (laughs) Sometimes I do. Some years I do better than others. But this year I got this brilliant inspiration. And what I did was I took five of my favorite poems including that one I read you and I printed them out on colored paper and I cut them all in little shapes. And now I'm sending Christmas cards with five poems, five beautiful poems inside. So giving of gifts is sometimes a really, really lovely thing. Engaging in pleasant conversation and small talk. I thought that was an interesting um, consideration for hospitality because I've never much liked small talk, you know. Oh, how's it been? How was your trip? Because it gets kind of when we would report on trips with Lee, it was not that he was interested in the small talk. He wanted us to get right to the teaching Leelas and right to the heart of the matter. But if we're going to welcome our guests, we have to be with where they are. But I have found, and I'm sure you do too, I'm just saying this to remind ourselves of this, that the warmth, of asking somebody, how was your trip? Did you get through easily? And how is your family doing? And so on. These are all forms of hospitality. And then the way we see each other off when we say goodbye. Lee, how often he would come downstairs and stand there as the group of people were leaving and how he would come downstairs when a group was arriving. And so I've tried to take that in in the way in which I'm welcoming people and saying goodbye to them as they leave Lila Mandir. Kind words and smiles and wishing them a good journey. These are all additional ways of hospitality. So we've looked at the most sublime and the most simple, offering that this guest is God, right down to here's the bathroom and everything in between. So I think I'll close with one more poem. I'm going to take a little risk and read you a poem that I wrote. And I wrote this poem because I read this awesome poem by Mary Oliver about how her work was loving the world and being open to everything in the world. And what she's saying in her poem is to be grateful for this flower, this delphinium, this bird, this sun, this, you know, all of that. And I thought, well, as much as I like Mary Oliver, I think it may be just a one-sided poem. So I wrote the poem. She called her poem Messenger. This is based on Mary Oliver. So I hope this is okay for you because I certainly don't put myself in the same category as Mary Oliver, but if you find her poem, you'll find that this is exactly the form of her poem, and here's how I wrote it. My work is loving the world. Here, the traffic-clogged highway. There, the clearing of pastures to make way for new developments. All seekers after happiness, despite their views of happiness being so different from mine. Here, the rising noise level. There, the genetically modified plums. Here, the plastic bottle half submerged in the speckled sand. Is my phone a landline still? Is my coat from the thrift shop? Am I no longer relevant in the techno culture and still not half as proficient at meditation now as I thought I would be by this age? Let me keep my mind on what matters, which is my work, which is mostly standing still and learning to be astonished. The greed, the Facebook, the politician in the Senate, the Senate itself, which is mostly lying, desperately wailing. Since all the ingredients are there, which is gratitude, May I be given a conscience and a heart and a body that breathes a mouth with which to shout peons of joy to the wren in my bird feeder, to the blooming rock rose, to the dry clay over which the rattlesnake is crawling. And no more and never again may I no longer give to the backbiting talk, to the plotted acts of revenge to the demonizing of the other as if there were no demons in me. May I tell all of us over and over again how it is that wonder and radical amazement will save us all.